Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Beverly. How's it going? It's going great, Jenny. How are you? Super duper. I'm so awake at this point in the morning and so excited to be finishing up um, our morning podcasting as well. Yes. I I am still in my doldrums. I oh, am no. still not sewing well. It's so if you look back, I really since November, I've done very little in the way of sewing garments for myself. I've made a handful of things which I want to acknowledge just right off the bat, a handful of things is an impressive number of things to have made and in no way is intended to imply that having made even just one garment in two months is not amazing. It's obviously amazing. You made a garment, but it is not a level of activity that I'm accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having feelings about it and I'm I think I'm feeling like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, even though who's defining that anyway? This is a hobby. I know. <laughs> so, so I'm feeling all kinds of ways about it, but I've, I've started like one of the things I've done to try and, and address that is I've been going through all of my patterns and getting rid of patterns. I, I know that I'm not going to want to make again and pulling to the top patterns that I know I wanted to make and I haven't tried yet. And I've started cutting some of those out. And so I've got seven different garments fully cut out and they are all different in the sense that I, I, there, there aren't two Tates or three I see. whatevers, right? It's one of each pattern, but many of the patterns are ones I've made before, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And I've also started to really go out and look like at the curvy pattern database at all of the most recently released ones. I believe um, that that source has just put up their December list of new yeah. patterns. And so I've just gone through that, but I'm going back and kind of looking to see what can I find that would be inspirational to me while at the same time trying not to have to buy too many new patterns? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a wild place to be in, but trying to find something that'll that'll help me move forward. I think for me, I would feel pretty good if I could get to making maybe two patterns a week, which would end at about 100 patterns for the year, which is a would be a brand new low for me. But mm-hmm. I think if I'm if I'm leaning into that as but what if they were better fitted patterns and so forth? It could be really good. Anyway, I've cut out seven and we'll see if I ever sew them up or if they just end up being a terrible mistake I made that goes into a landfill somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I finished up some knitting. I had I had a pair of socks on my needles for a long time that I don't know why it took me so long with these socks, but they're really nice. They're they're lovely, um, hard wearing, um, but also just perfect. I love this kind of this pattern that I use for socks. It's kind of just in my head. It's not really yeah. like pattern pattern, but um, I like to do toe up socks and I just love them. They're, they're beautiful. And then I had a t-shirt pattern that I had started ages ago and I finally got that finished. I don't know if I'll ever wear it, but it's, um, it's a, a knitted t-shirt. So, um, cozy and comfy and maybe more likely to get worn because it's not heavy. Sometimes things yeah. are too. So, um, and then the other thing that I've done is I finished two muslins for my wedding dress. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. 
Yes. The interesting thing is, is that the two muslins, the first, so the reason I made two is the first one I made, there's, it's princess seamed. And in order to get an idea of the fit, you have to like clip into the curves and I needed to do adjustments that wouldn't really work well with the, there's too many adjustments to use the same muslin. So, and then, um, what happened was I decided and the second muslin that that wasn't the style I want for my wedding dress. So, okay. It's okay. Um, that's important information. I didn't make something go, well, I guess I'll just wear this because I've already made it, but yep. I do have my fabric in. Um, I'm really excited about that. I have the fabric already. Uh, actually it needs to go in the dryer now. I just washed it and, um, it'll be ready to go. So, uh, that's really cool. That is. That's all I've been doing. Awesome. I think that's amazing. Have you got a new plan for the next iteration of the dress? Yes, um, I do. Um, this, the first couple of muslins were using a princess seamed, um, idea and I kind of have a different idea now. I think I want to do, um, either like the waist starting like an Anna dress. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Or, um, or like a side and a waist, um, dart. I, I wanted to not do that. I don't know. Um, but I also uh-huh. have some more like that. The, the dress that I had designed previously was very, was, it actually came out too simple for me for the, okay. the wedding. Too, uh, too plain. It, it's going to make a nice dress. I think I have it. I kept the pattern and I'll make it with of something course. else. But um, I think I want something a little bit more flowy, a little bit more hippie, like okay. 60s hippie, not hips hippie. Um, yeah. And um, a little bit, maybe more bohemian. Okay. Okay. Less, less um, the, the first ones that I made were more um, professional and I wanted okay. to be more, more flowy. So you want to be more of a hippie than a professional bride. Yes. Perfect. I can't wait to see both the dress that you've now really zeroed in on the design of, but also the wedding dress. That's amazing. Um, What fun. And I hope it does become something that you document later. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's, I've been documenting it and like videoing my changes and stuff. And then, you know, this is all for the idea that I'll have a blog post, but then at the end of it, I don't know if I will. So we'll see. But I hope, I hope you do. I think it'd be really interesting. Okay. I think you're learning a lot. That's really fun Um, for new patterns. So I found a pattern for a a top from a designer that I am not familiar with. And so I thought I'd, I'd share that it's called the wickle pullover and it it has a, it's designed for a max 59 and a half inch hip, but it is just a top. This is a wrap sweater um, that the interesting bit of it is that the side seam fold creates a flattering drape of the fabric. So it wraps across the front and it, and it has folds gathered folds in the side so that it's um, on the side where the, the wrap meets so that it's a little bit loose sort of pleated fabric down there at the hip um, and has a deep V neck. So you can put something under it or um, I suppose not. Um, so I think that I think might be a dangerous decision. Yeah. It looks like a dangerous decision. Yeah. 
What yeah, I liked it, about it was I thought it would go really great over the sundresses that I'm wearing right now, that yes, that would be something that would so. adapt that beautifully for the winter. Mm-hmm. And so. it's so it's a longer version. Um, Tilly and the Buttons came out with a, a wrap top that was like a ballet wrap top. Um, yeah. The pearl. But that's like a much shorter, like. um like you a know, cropped like, version? Like, yeah, like a cropped version, more like at your waist at the most. And this one goes down. It's past your waist um, to about your hip line. Yeah. This one does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cute. I think that's a really cute pattern. Yeah, I thought it was neat. It was a new designer to me, so I thought that was also kind of cool. Yeah. Well, the next one is not a new designer to you. No, <laughs> it's true. One of your favorite designers, Made by Ray, has a new pattern out called the Garnet, and it goes up to a 60-inch hip. It's 70. 70, sorry. I meant 70. Yeah. I'm looking She's at committed to her new sizing. Like, her first yeah. sizing came in just below 60, and her her second expansion of size is she's going up to 70 for everything. It's amazing. Right. Um, it has a square neck and a front and back yoke. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of gathered on to this yoke. Uh, it's a peasant style dress. And um, I like a couple of the options. First of all, it has like a real wide um, puffy kind of sleeve, but uh, that comes to a cuff that's just about three quarter length. And mm-hmm. I like the option of UB, which has got those folds, those horizontal yeah folds like the Tamsin dress and um the I made this shirt this year Nepheline blouse has yeah. this as well in the sleeves and I think it's a really cool detail um I really like how that looks I do too and I will forever think of it as the Tamsin folds like yeah. <laughs> because that's where I was introduced to it yeah. so even now when I make a dress if I decide to shorten a dress there's a there's a good chance if I have to take three inches off that I'm going to put in some Tamsin folds instead of cutting it off and hemming it again. I often do that as a feature now because I think it's just so cool. So I agree with you. The other thing with this one is you can swap the sleeves and the skirt out with the Ruby, the other design. So this is one that interacts with another design from the same designer. Which I think is really neat. So the ruby is intended to be, um, uh, it's got a pleat, I believe, instead of gathers. So that's part of it. But also the ruby sleeves. And there's, um, I have made this with the, um, with the cap sleeves that are associated with the trillium as well. Nice. (laughs) I I like this one. I really love the square neckness of it. And I like the yoke, especially with a contrast yoke. I think it's, it's particularly cute. Yeah, it's, so. it's kind of fun to have the um, like a different color for the for the yoke there. Although the one I'm the most happy is the one in the top left, which is not. Um, it's it's just, the just the plain linen. It's so beautiful. Well, the thing yeah. is with that one, I think like I look at that and I think, oh, my gosh, I have so much natural colored linen right now that I yeah. haven't dyed. And wouldn't it be nice undyed in that? Yeah. So I I don't disagree with you. I think maybe for me, it's that I either want it to be contrasting or I want it to be a solid color. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, you can still see the lines of it in the solid color more so than you can if it's a print. That's right. That's right. right. So I like that one very much. But this week, 
this week, do you know what we're here to do? We're here to solve a personal problem of mine. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what the, all the listeners want to do. <laughs> I mean, that's it, is we're going to engage everybody in this question of how do you get out of a creative slump or is it something you even need to put work into doing? Because right. I think that's a fair question, too. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with friends about and with my husband about the nature of productivity. And is there is there a, a, a thing I need to be deprogrammed from sort of a capitalistic impulse that says all of my time should be productive, which is not going to serve me well when I retire, right? Like this concept that I I just continually feel driven to productivity. So do I even need to solve this problem? But if I do, let's pretend like I do, because I really think I need to. <laughs> How would I solve this problem? Well, I think there's, 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 yeah, a few things that there, yeah, if, you, if it's a productivity that is about um, like a, a self-esteem issue where you are thinking that in order to be worthy, you need to produce. That is something that you need to maybe deal with uh, separately. (laughs) But if you're not sewing and you want to be sewing, that's a different question, right? I think, so I think there's probably pieces of both of those, right? I do think there is sort of, sort of a, an association with self-worth with productivity. I think that's something that, that folks that don't feel that there's probably still some part of you that does have a little bit of that feeling. Like it's so ingrained into our culture that Mm -hmm. I think that's hard to escape. But I think right now it really is more that I'd like to be sewing, but I, but it's kind of like when I, when I look at sewing, I'm like, I mean, I could sew or I could just sit here and stare at the floor. Like I, I'm just not finding my way there, even though I kind of like to do it. It might be something where I, you know, I just, the motivation to stand up and walk my butt over to a different chair and do this is what I think I'm mostly lacking, but I'm not yeah. positive. Um, well, so one of my, go ahead. I was going to say one of my first ideas is take a class. Yes. Yes. And that's I a am. Great way. Because I think I have no choice. Now you've taken the class. So maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure in the skirt skills class by Brooks that this isn't all theoretical. It's not a matter of my absorbing the skills, but not actually making a skirt. I think there's a part of this where I'll have to sew something, right? Yeah. Although Brooksanne's very good about like saying, you know, there's no rush on this. You can do this whenever you want. That That does not help me. (laughs) (laughs) But it's different type of things too. Like Brooksanne has this really interesting way. There's like, for example, in the skirt skills class, you need to find the the cylinder size, right? And so you have to take like poster board that you've kind of taped together or whatever and wrap it around yourself to like make, she has all these things. And like in the pants class, you like have a cardboard cut out of your crotch area that you put on. It's, it's, I mean, these, these are fun things. So, um, and you get new to play with new tools and stuff. That's yeah. kind of fun. So I think that's a great idea. I also, um, I'm not having a creative slump, but um, just speaking of classes that are coming up, yeah. there is a six day in-person class in Baltimore coming up um it's i think they have them in i know like san francisco i think too and maybe somewhere else yeah she she does them all over yeah susan collier but i she's from baltimore i believe and so that's why there's so many in baltimore there's three of them they have in may there's also different style ones but this one is just on like uh couture sewing 
And I'm seriously thinking of attending the one in September, but it's, it's expensive. It's $1,800. Like at first I thought it was only 500 because that's what it said on the website. But when you click, that's the deposit. Yeah. That's the deposit. Yeah. <laughs> I've looked at taking her classes before. Um, but the, they usually are based off of her own patterns that stop at a big four size 20. Well, I'm not taking a pattern class from yeah. her. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's just a technique. Class. Yeah, yeah, it's about future sewing. So um, anyways, it's for six days and it seems so great, but um, yeah. that's a lot of money. So I'm I'm debating it. And if I do it, it will be the September one because I don't, May is too soon. And December. <laughs> so um, I also signed up for Craftsy again, and I've been taking the, I, I mentioned this already, these um, couture sewing class. Yeah. There's a class on there from Allison, a few classes from Allison Smith. and. She's just so, it's like just so British and like, um, you know, the way she talks, you know, she's always popping a pin in and, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff and makes, it's not nearly as in depth, but it is, um, satisfying my desire for classes for right now. So I, I think Craftsy is really great for doing that and across so many different areas. Like now that you've mentioned this deal, I'm going to go see if it still exists because if it does, I may pick it up again. I've dropped it recently um, because I'm so anyway, we'll talk about it later because it's a different bullet point. So I'm going to hold on that. But Craftsy okay. is, I think, an amazing way to scratch a class, crafty class itch for sure. So another thought I had was illustrating dream projects, like um, just sketching stuff out. And what I do is I use my my body model, which is part of the Cashmerette family now. Um, and I've got a croquis that I I paid for for that based on my measurements. And I've done some fiddling with it to get it, you know, to have the one with a hand on the hip and front and back and sideways and all of those things. And I took that and I put it into a Google Doc landscape oriented and on the side I've got like title of project materials for project and then a bunch of lines that I drew so I can write words about the project and it's what I use when I'm sketching out something to submit to taco for example as a possible Mm -hmm. pattern but I also use it when I'm sort of like I mean I kind of like to do this but I'm not sure because I get a lot of ideas in my head about color blocking and one of the things you may have noticed about my clothes is I don't really have a lot of color block clothes that I actually wear But I do have a fair amount that I have made or thought about making. And oftentimes, this is the opposite, I guess, of inspiring me to sew. But I'll sketch it out and I'll go, oh, yeah, no, I would never wear that. (laughs) And so I can prevent myself from Mm -hmm. building something that in my brain looks so great. But when I get it out on paper, I'm like, I mean, I don't know. That feels like something my grandma would have made out of double knit 10 years, you know, before she died. Like, it would be that. So, um, so I use it, I guess, the opposite. So maybe mm. illustrating your dream project is a bad idea. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, in Brooksanne's class, in the skirt sales class, she teaches you how to make a croquis from a photo of yourself. Um, yeah. Magic. Yeah, it's really easy, actually. Um, she does it on paper, but I imported it into Procreate and use yeah. it there, um, which is kind of nice. It's basically just lowering the um, opacity of the figure. The, photo so that it's like light and then you can you can draw around it to make a croquis yeah. or you can actually just use the picture lightened like that and that's actually even yeah. better because you kind of draw something on top of it so I thought that was pretty cool 
Yeah, that's clever. And I assume that's an assignment. So I'm about to learn how to do that. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, this is going to sound nuts, but I'm going to suggest that another way to get out of a creative slump is to look through your fabric, find something super duper precious where you're like, I could never cut into that because it's too amazing and just commit to making something with it because it's so precious that you'd want to wear it. So maybe that can pop you right out. What do you think? That's an idea. Another way if for people who maybe don't want to do that <laughs> is um, maybe they could just make a muslin because maybe it's something low pressure that they need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And Joanne just had muslin fabric on sale recently. So you could (laughs) literally do it out of muslin, which I don't think is the worst idea. Like I'm starting to come around to this. This is terrible. What have you done to me, Beverly? I'm starting Mm -hmm. to come around to this idea that maybe sometimes you want to make something first or at least the critical part of it. An example being what's that jumpsuit you want to make that has the zip up the front at the top? The Isola jumpsuit. I've made that. Yeah. The Isola. Mm -hmm. So the Isola I have. I've I've cut that's one of the things I've cut out is the bodice for that out of out of actual muslin. Okay, okay, yeah. So that I can try and fit it and make that work because I think that's where my problem's going to be because I'm not going to make the pants anyway. I'm just going to make a skirt. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it feels like a thing that could be helpful. Yeah. Um, How about okay? How about sew for someone else? Oh sure, sure. That'll motivate you. Okay. So my thought process on this was, if you're not feeling it for yourself, maybe there's some part of you that's like, kind of owe this person so I could do it for them. And, and you could put oh, yeah, off when you owe something that's really I know. inspiring. That one was really bad, right? <laughs> Definitely not sewing for someone else. Okay, cool. I understand that now. Definitely not the right answer. What about mending? That's the one where I would say, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Well, it's funny because I have two things to mend that are for other people. And um, that's like the worst, right? Like for other people and mending. But um, like my brother, he he says, hey, I got this sweater um, and it has a hole in it. And I was like, well, then why don't you take it back? And he says, well, I tried, but they didn't have my size. And I thought Beverly could fix this for me. And so they gave me a discount because it had a hole in it. And I said, yeah, well, so you got the discount. What do I get? Yeah. And he's like, do you want the $5? <laughs> and you're like, do you just want a $5 repair? Cause that's a. <laughs> Anyways, okay, can I, let me ask more about that though. Do you have that little mending harp thing that you weave with do you know what I mean I do have that that I use for socks but you can also do this otherwise it's a small hole and I think I might just try to like um like duplicate duplicate. stitch it or whatever yeah I think I can kind of I, I think I can just kind of do it like like that but um yeah I do have one of those First off, I've always wanted one of those I don't want to mend at all but I've always thought it'd be fun to have that but every time I think about it I'm like so I would just put a hole in something so that, I, so that I could go ahead and do this because it looks so fun. Like it looks like such a colorful, That's interesting so way to do that things. You don't have things that wear out. No, um, I don't because I, I yeah. don't keep things very long. Although I did earlier this year, I had to mend my longest owned self-made dress because the darts were stretching. They were, mm. they were wearing out and I had to go in and, and repair the darts. So, I mean, I do occasionally mend. It just sounds not necessarily like, I'm not great. interested in mending that much when it's, I don't know, like um, if it's visible mending, it's fun. 
Because then it's that's creative, what I was thinking. Right? Yeah. Okay. So kind of tangential to this because it's it's actually in no way related, but I I found a garment on Instagram and thought, oh, I'd like to go buy that because this person sells these garments. And when I went and looked at their website, I realized what they were doing. And then I thought I could make that. I, <laughs> which is wrong. This is so, the problem, right? Yeah. I know, but it's a, it's a denim jacket and I don't want to make a denim jacket, but I have like six denim jackets that I don't wear all of. Like I wear some mm-hmm. of them, but others, I'm just like, I have six. I've got two on hangers yeah. at the door. I wear those. And what it is, is that they they take a ready-made denim jacket and they cut the back panel out. And sometimes they cut the back yoke out or the front yoke and the front panels of the jacket, leaving the flat felt top stitched areas. Mm-hmm. And then they take laces and, and put it underneath mm. it and sew it back. And I thought it was really neat on the back of a jacket. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So I actually went and bought fancy embroidered lace to put in the back of my jacket. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that, just that small piece of sewing could be one of the things that tips me back into sewing because it'll be, it'll take 45 minutes Mm -hmm. max and I'll end up with a whole garment, a whole complicated garment out of my 45 minutes. Sure, yeah. it's a jacket I already owned, but still, like, <laughs> I, I think yes. that altering something you already own could also be a way to escape. Yeah, because, altering. Yeah, so. I think that's a good idea. I've got that sitting at home. I don't know whether to pre-wash the lace. It's like a, it's not cotton. It's, it's poly? Not poly, whatever. Yeah. I don't think you have to, unless it's red. It's uh, it is not, but now I'm nervous um, because it's it's a it's like a beige with peach and green flowers and leaves and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's okay. Maybe I'll wash it. Uh, but anyway, I had wondered if that could be enough to pop me out of my doldrums as maybe, well. Maybe, maybe. What if what if instead of doldrums, you just stop sewing on purpose? Well, that's another thing. Is you could just be like a not permanent, obviously, but um, just like, you know, I'm not going to think about sewing this week and, and, or a month or whatever the, you know, but for you, like, you know, just if somebody was to take a, I think the, the discomfort might be in the thinking you should be doing it. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you don't, you don't need to all the time, you know, people, other people have hobbies that they can only do in the summertime, you know, like, water skiing or something you know those <laughs> poor people though I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah I've, I've thought about doing that I think my nervousness is what if it because I've taken breaks before that have lasted a decade like oh yeah, do you know I what I mean that'll happen. I don't think that'll happen I, I don't think so either but I think that's part of it for me is when I look back at my sewing history I'll have I'll have long periods of time where I might stop but I think those resulted also from different frustrations that aren't currently an issue, like availability, yeah. you know, being access. I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that there was a, the, the access is so much better, like night and day between yeah. now and 10 or 12 years ago. And like, you're not sewing that now you're not sewing. It's not because there aren't, there isn't anything to sew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, what about if you didn't allow yourself to go on social media? 
Oh, what would that look like? like? Yeah, what would it look like? Would you would you then choose to sew because there hey, there's nothing else to do? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's interesting. I that's interesting. So I may have to think about that. It's scary. Cuz it's like so if you think back 20 years ago, no, we weren't all on our phones. We weren't mm-hmm. certainly weren't on social media. But even going back five years, I don't think it was the same. So that's interesting. Now, I also thought about watching movies for costumes, like intentionally watching things that have amazing costuming in the hopes of feeling like getting some of that inspiration to rub off on you, you know, yeah. when you're looking at it. And especially if it's like there's obvious costume dramas where you're, you know, dangerous liaisons or whatever, and you're looking at all mm-hmm. these fabulous fashions from the past. But I think there's a lot of stuff where you can look at the costuming differently. That's like even modern stuff, the Barbie movie, like mm-hmm, one of your mm-hmm. favorite films of the year, I'm sure. <laughs> um but even a film like that, being able to look at it and say, okay, what were they intentionally trying to do with these different mm-hmm. costumes? And is there a way in which that's inspirational? So I'd wondered about that as a possibility. Well, one of, if, if you go that route, I, might I recommend The Queen's Gambit? I love The Queen's Gambit and it is yeah. inspirational. I've already thought with Brooks Anne's taking Brooks Anne's classes, mm-hmm. that there are things in that, that movie that television series I guess it was a series mm-hmm. of things that I would that I would love to be able to make for myself and that I don't have a, an analogous pattern for yeah and so I agree with you that's a that's, that's a humdinger of a mm-hmm. yeah definitely mm-hmm. for the fashions that's a really great idea what about spending time on another hobby now what are those exactly help me out <laughs> um. well I mean you know like sometimes when I don't feel that much like sewing I'll do I'll like just even take out some cheap watercolors and paint something or I'll knit or, I'll, you know, there's other things that, that I like to do. I think I'm doing a little bit of that, but it's not driving me back to sewing because I've started baking oh, um, a little bit. I'm not, I'm not a good baker. So baking is chemistry, right? A lot mm-hmm. of that is really about chemistry. You've got to get the ingredients, right? The proportions matter more. Like you can take, you can do a stir fry and if you get the proportions wrong, it's just different flavors. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing really essentially yeah. done with it. But if you're baking and you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll double the baking soda today and see what happens. <laughs> um, you get a completely different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a piece of that, that there's more deliberateness required of it. And I've been doing sort of cakes, like really simple, easy cake like things. I did a really good rum cake. Um, for Christmas and things like that. I want to get into baking cookies, not because I want to bake cookies. I want to decorate them. (laughs) But I started to look at what it takes to do it. You have to buy so many things. Like that's part of the hobby, right? uh, Yeah. But I don't want to have to buy a bunch of things. Well, you can probably not buy a bunch of things and still be able to decorate. Well, I thought about, so one of my ideas was, as an example, I could just buy Oreo cookies and and frost them and decorate them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can mm-hmm. use royal icing on an yeah. Oreo cookie. It's yeah. There's 50 of them in that box, right? Like, yeah. there's a bunch. It's not that it'd be easy to do. I don't have to buy anything. They're going to be fine. They're not amazing. But whatever. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is do the decorating on them. So yeah. just be so, sure to buy the double stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You've got to get that proportion, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, This idea of another hobby. I actually, the thing I was worried about this weekend, I went into Joanne and they had a lot of yarn on sale and I walked back there and I'm like, I could just get some really bulky yarn and make myself a poncho. I'm sure I wouldn't hurt my hands and it'd be fine. And then I'm like, but I got rid of all my knitting needles. So, I mean, I just buy a starter set. It'd be fine. (laughs) And by the time I'm ready to go, I'm like, so I could spend $180 to half make a poncho that I'm going to give away. Maybe I don't do that. Maybe I'll do something different. (laughs) So I have one other idea on here and you're not going to like it. I don't know, but is it therapy? Tell me it's not therapy. (laughs) Somebody else might like this idea. Okay. Organizing your sewing space. I've thought about doing that. Yeah. Because I think it would help. Yeah. Okay. You did like the idea. I I do. I mentioned to you, I really think part of how I've gone away from videotaping, which I enjoyed doing Uh is because my space isn't the same anymore and it doesn't have to be the same, but it's not similar enough, but to get it to that, I think I have to redo a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I recently redid my sewing space. You knew about that because I sent you a picture midstream, which was a nightmare. Um, The worst part is when you have everything out and you haven't put it all back together. But I needed to reconfigure because I wanted to have a permanent spot for my iron and my ironing board to be set up all the time. And that was important because I got um, my mom got me for Christmas a gravity fed iron. And because you have to have the like water thing up high, I needed to have a spot for it, but I didn't really like, I had a a place that I kept putting it each time, but I needed to take it down every time. So it took me a lot of wiggling around to get this done, but it was so inspiring when my room was done. All I wanted to do was be in this room and, and create things. So really good though. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a sign of a good redo. I, I've had a lot of those when I had a lot of space where I'd, I'd just get overwhelmed and I'd redo it. And then for a month, I'd be like, this is the best space I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start to let it slide. And all of a sudden, it'd be back to the dark, horrible times. But I never had a problem with wanting to redo. Yeah. Right now, I'm literally in a in a closet, but not like a walk-in closet, like a, a six-foot-wide closet, five-foot-wide closet. I don't think it's even six. And just the 22-inch depth, right? That's the closet I'm in. And and there's some things about that. I think that, that might that are, be a lot of your problem. I think you need to yeah. make about changing that around. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I am is thinking that I, I need to make some changes. And just one of the first changes that's occurred to me is if I can take the doors off the hinges and just put them in a different space, like store them, then I'm I'm not, I'm in a closet sort of, but I'm not out. I'm not just in a closet. Like there's more to it than that. I think that by itself might be helpful, but I still think I have too much stuff. Like at the very end of packing up to move six months ago, at the end of packing up to do that, you get to the end of the room and you're just like, well, I'm going to sweep all of that off of this and into a box. And I still have some of those boxes where it's like, I I don't even know. And I probably would have been better off just saying, I'm actually going to get rid of those things. And wastefully, I'm going to replace some of them because I don't have to go through the psychic effort of of figuring out the 10 boxes of things. What are the, what's the one box I actually need? Yeah. And so I think there's some of that. It was helpful to me to send all of my embroidery threads up to you because that's, that was another thing out of my way that wasn't 
wasn't cluttering my room. But well, yeah, and but I've got like for my serger threads, I have one of those over the door shoe Mm -hmm. holders, and it's got all my serger threads in it. Beverly, why do I have seventy cones of serger threads? Especially because you probably don't. I use white and black. That's all I use. Why do I have all of this? And even if I wanted to commit to rainbow for the looper threads, which Uh I'd like to commit to, why do I have eight cones of pale pink and eight cones of dark green? And like, why do I have that? I need to, I just need to not. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I think that's where I am is that I need to figure out a way to open that space up, but also probably to get rid of 50% of what I have, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though I already got rid of 75%. Like I need to get much smaller Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. I think going through that, I actually, I was just looking over, I've got this big box. It's ready to go to a creative reuse. Um, There's a creative, there's actually, there's, so there's the, there's a, a company that's, does it's a creative thrift store, basically crafting thrift store. Um, and then there's also a local one that's just, it's called Aunt Hazel's that's just down the street from me. And so I want to give them a box of this. And that Aunt Hazel's one has a thing. You pay what you want. You pick up whatever you want in the store and you tell them how much you'd like to pay for it. And it doesn't have to be what it's worth. It can just be what you can pay because all the things are donated to them. Yeah. And so um, anyways, it's a great way after you have gone through your stuff you can, you know, give, give that to somebody who'll use it again. Yeah. I I think, I think that's, that probably is the next thing I actually need to try is making my sewing space more usable because I think that's part of, I think that's part of what's making it hard. Well, one of these things hopefully will help. You've got a nice list here. And um, so you'll have to report back and tell us how it works. Absolutely. And in the meantime, folks can drop by Patreon to support us. Remember, there are um, episodes available for our Patreon supporters at the Friends with Benefits and Friends with Gifts level. And we are just about to close out the list for gifts because I will be mailing those sometime in February. So if you want to get in on it, now's the time to do that. And uh, yeah, we also appreciate when you rate and review us on podcatchers because it helps folks to find us and our enormous back catalog of episodes. So thank you for that. All right, Jenny, that we will see see you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.